Hi everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us here today as we continue on in our Advent series, The Divine Encounter, really just looking at how can we have an encounter and experience with God. And what I want to explore today is, what I want to explore is what do you do in the in-between? And what I mean by that is what do you do when you've been longing for something, when you've been hoping for something, when you've maybe even been yearning for something, and you have yet to see it come to pass? What happens when you believe that God hasn't shown up yet and you've been waiting for him to arrive? Or you've been longing for a change or for a miracle or for something to really be altered in your life? What do you do in the in-between season when you're waiting for something but yet haven't seen its fulfillment? That's what I want to take a look at today. Because I think this is something that you can relate to. I know it's something that I can relate to when you're hoping for something, waiting for the change, wondering where is God in the midst of this. And to explore this idea, I want to look at the life of Simeon today together that through this series, what we've looked at is we've looked at the, the life of Elizabeth and looked at the life of Zechariah. And today I want to take a look at the life of a man named Simeon who also shows up in the birth narratives of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke 2 today. We're going to be exploring the life of Simeon. And he is a man who knows what it is to have to hold on to hope for a long time. And we're going to learn how you find God in the midst of that together. Now here's the context of the story so far. What has just happened is that Jesus has just been born, okay? The angels have shown up to the shepherds. Jesus has just been born. Everything really then in the world has just been altered, changed, and transformed. Everything is new, really, because the Messiah has arrived. Jesus has arrived. God has entered the world and has entered the earth in and through the person of Jesus. This is an amazing miracle and miraculous moment where every single thing has changed. But this is true, and this is the context of what's going on. That even though Jesus has arrived, the full effects of his arrival haven't yet been seen. Not everybody knows who Jesus is. Not everybody knows that he is the answer to all the questions that have, that have been asked. So what we are going to see in this context is that Jesus has shown up, but Simeon doesn't know it yet. That his promise that he's been waiting for, that he's been waiting to meet with the Messiah, to experience the Messiah, to have this real divine encounter, that this hasn't quite happened yet. I think this is important for us to recognize, because sometimes... Follow with me. Sometimes the world has changed and we just don't know it yet. Or we might put it this way, that sometimes the miracle has happened, you just haven't seen it yet. Or to put it differently, sometimes the answer has actually been given, you just haven't received it yet. I think that this is important for some of you. That for some of you who are in that in-between season, in that in-between time, where you're hoping for something and you have yet to see the fulfillment, that what sometimes happens is that the answer has been given, you just haven't received it yet. That's what we're going to notice in the story because Jesus has arrived, but Simeon just hasn't realized that yet. He hasn't just experienced that yet. So the answer has been given in the person of Jesus. He just hasn't fully received it yet. So with that kind of understanding that Jesus has just been born, let's pick up the story in Luke 2. And we're just going to read through it and then work through it kind of uh, today uh, before we have communion here together. So we read this. Eight days later. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, and the name given uh, him by the angel even before he was conceived. So Jesus has just been born. Eight days later, they go through the normal rites uh, for a Jewish uh, boy in that time. And that says this, Then it was time for the purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, If a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So Jesus is taken to the temple to be dedicated to God. And this is really kind of a beautiful moment that God is being dedicated to God. 
right? That Jesus is the divine son. And yet he is also fulfilling all the requirements of the law. So he goes up to the temple in and through his parents. They take him there and he is presented there at the temple. And it's in the next section that we get introduced to Simeon. And that's what I want to read next and then to work it through. It says this, that at that time, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and he was devout and he was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. His hopes and his expectations are on the Messiah to show up and to change the world. That's what he's been waiting for. That's what he's been longing for. That's what he's been hoping for. It says this, the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That's the promise that God has given to him. And that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Simeon was there. And it says this, And he took the child in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he will bring glory to your people, Israel. And Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And now here we are really introduced to Simeon. We learn really about three things about Simeon in this short little condensed passage. First, we learn that Simeon, he really is older. Second, we learn that Simeon is passionate about justice. And thirdly, we learn that Simeon is really waiting on a promise. So I want to explore that here together. So the first thing that we learn is that Simeon is most likely quite an elderly or older uh, individual and that he has been waiting for the Messiah for a long time. We actually learn this um, really from not only tradition, tradition would state that Simeon is quite a bit older, uh, but we also can see this hinted at in the text itself. I want to show you this from the text. Listen to what he says when he kind of prophesies over Jesus. He says this, he says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation. Listen to what he says. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. Uh, as you have promised, I have seen your salvation. Now this... This is something that someone in the prime of their life or middle age or whatever it is, this isn't something that uh, someone who is younger would be saying, really. Right? When he says, now, Lord, let your servant die in peace. This is somebody who is saying this, who has actually been waiting and hoping and longing for this to come for decades. Right? That Simeon has really been waiting for quite a while. That this isn't something that someone says, you know, when they're 20s or their 30s. This is somebody, uh, something that someone says when they're quite a bit older. And they have been waiting and longing for really, for God to show up and to fulfill his promise for decades upon decades. Because now that Simeon has experienced Jesus, has seen the Messiah, now he says, now I can die in peace. This is why I think Rembrandt is correct. When Rembrandt, uh, the amazing uh, painter, when he paints a scene, he paints Simeon as quite an older individual. Here's what it looks like. And I think that this is important uh, for us to realize that Simeon is somebody who has been waiting and waiting and waiting for decades. The second thing that we know, the second thing that we know is that Simeon is righteous. And what this means is that Simeon is both passionate for his relationship with God, but Simeon is also deeply, deeply passionate and concerned about justice and oppression and freedom and liberation for his people. That to be righteous, what this means actually is to live in right relationship with God, right? But then also with others, which is what we call justice. In Greek, the word righteousness means both actually. And we can see this even in the passage. We can see Simeon's concern not only for the Lord, but also for his reign and his rule and for his justice to show up on the earth, actually. So he, uh, this comes up actually in this verse where he says, He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. 
Simeon is waiting for the Messiah to come and to overthrow the oppression that the Israelite people are experiencing. Simeon is waiting and anxiously asking for God to show up and to come, as Amos says, like with a flood of justice and a mighty river of righteousness. This is what he is asking for. And we also see this idea that Simeon is both passionate for God and passionate for justice in his prayer, where he says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. And in Greek, the word salvation, it actually literally means rescue, that that's what he is seeing. He's seeing Jesus come to rescue his people, to rescue his people, not only from sins, but from the impression and injustice that they face. So we know what Simeon is, that he is a man who is quite a bit older, and he is passionate about righteousness and about justice. And the last thing that we know is that Simeon has been given a promise, a promise to meet and to actually experience and encounter the Messiah. But it's one that he has been waiting for to be fulfilled for years upon years or decades upon decades. We read uh, this, it says this in the text, that the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon was given this promise. He was given this promise that he would have an encounter with the Messiah, that he would have an encounter with God's chosen one, with the one who had set the world correctly and set the world right. And he's been waiting for this moment for a long time. He's been praying about it. He's been eagerly anticipating it. And the question that I want to pursue today, the question I want to pursue is how do you hold on to hope when hope is a long time coming? How do you hold on to a promise, even from God, when it doesn't seem like it's being fulfilled? That what the text is really clear about is that Simeon was given a promise that he would experience and encounter the Messiah. But what we also know is that he's been waiting for decades upon decades. He's been in that in-between kind of season and space. What I want to explore with you then today is how do you hold on to hope when the answer to the promise you might have been given is just a long time coming? Because what I think that you can probably relate to and what I can relate to as well is that the longer you have to hold on to hope for something, right? Like the harder it becomes. And I'm not sure what it is that you might be hoping for this season. I'm not sure what it is you might be longing for in this world, right? Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a change. Maybe it's a miracle. Maybe it's for God to show up. But what I know in my life, and it's likely true in yours, is that the longer you hope for a change, the longer you have to hold on to hope for a change, the harder it can become. The easier it is for doubt to slip in, the easier it is for questioning to kind of become a daily reality, the easier it is for things to feel uncertain and unstable. So the question I want to pursue is, is how then does Simeon hold on to hope for this long while he is waiting for the promise to be fulfilled? I think the answer actually, the answer is actually almost hidden in a Greek word that I think can help us to understand how it is that Simeon holds on to hope for this long, waiting for the Messiah to show up so that he can actually receive the promise that God has for him. Now, when it comes to the Bible, here is my deep belief that I believe is just unquestionably true. I believe that any single person in any single place can pick up the Bible and if they read it, that it will lead them to Jesus. This is my belief about the Bible, about our scriptures, right? That anybody can pick it up and anybody, if they read it, uh, that it will unquestionably lead them to Jesus, to knowing about Jesus, to being saved by Jesus, that the Bible and the entire narrative and arc of the Bible, it points to Jesus as the center. This is what I believe. And we're going to cover this a little bit more actually in the new year. But what I also do believe is that while unquestionably the Bible will lead anyone closer and deeper to Jesus, that it is also true that not anybody can simply pick up the Bible and understand every single part of it without a lot of training, wisdom, discernment, study, learning, all of that. Because what should be like radically obvious to us is that the Bible is written as an ancient document in a world we don't live in and in languages most of us don't know. 
So what this means is that there are sometimes clues or hints or things in the text, because the Bible has layers to it, that we can sometimes be a little bit oblivious to. And that while, of course, anybody can pick up the Bible and it will lead them to Jesus and it will lead them deeper into their walk with Jesus, there are things sometimes we miss as English readers of really an ancient day document. I want to point out one of those. That uh, Luke uses a very specific word, actually, and that this word actually is a clue to understanding how Simeon would hold on to hope in the midst of that in-between season and space. And so I want to read to you the passage that really matters uh, for us. So if you read this, it says this. At the time, there was a man in, Sim uh, in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. And that is a really good translation, actually. It's a perfectly accurate translation. But what it kind of misses for us is a connection that would have been obvious to Luke's original readers and to some people who have been really steeped in the Jewish life, okay? That in Greek, a better way to translate this is actually the KGB, and it would be that Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. They was looking forward to the consolation or the comforting of Israel. And the word consolation is actually perkalesis. And what it really means is this idea of consolation and comfort. But it's almost like a code or a hint that would have immediately triggered for his early readers uh, actually a different passage of scripture. That, to give you an example of how sometimes things can be kind of codes that we can lose sight of. Imagine today, imagine today, that if I were to talk about making America great again, you would all know the person that I'm talking about, right? But imagine if somebody were to read my sermons in a thousand years from now. I don't expect this will be happening whatsoever. But imagine somebody would, right? That phrase, make America great again, it might not be immediately obvious who I'd be referring to, even though for us today, it's a really clear example of kind of like a code word that is a code for someone else, right? This is the same thing that's sort of happening here in the text. And so when Luke mentions that very specific word of comfort and consolation, this is actually like a code word for Isaiah 40, actually. And this might not be a passage you might be familiar with, but this really was a passage that readers in uh, his day and age was absolutely familiar with. And we see the same word, really, the same root word that is there in this passage translated as comfort or consolation. It actually begins Isaiah 40. And this is really what Luke is hinting to, that when he says that Simeon was a man who is eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel, or is a man who is eagerly waiting and looking forward to the consolation of Israel, what he is talking about is that Simeon was a man who was shaped and formed by Isaiah 40. I want to read to you just a few uh, beginning verses, and you'll see how quickly these two words are right there. This is Isaiah 40, the very first verse. It says this, Comfort, O comfort my people, says the Lord. Right? Or consolation, O consolation uh, for my people, says the Lord. It says this, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry for her. She has served her term and her penalty is paid, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. It says this, A voice cries out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and the people shall see it together. For the mouth, or the word of the Lord, has spoken. And so when, when Luke says that Simeon is somebody who is looking forward to the consolation of Israel, what he is talking about? is actually that Simeon was a man who has been formed, shaped, and guided by Isaiah 40, by this prophecy, by this proclamation. And so when I think about this question of how did Simeon hold on to hope in that in-between, in that long season between when God said, you will see the Messiah and when he has actually encountered Jesus, I think the answer is, is actually Isaiah 40. 
Isaiah 40 is the reason and the way that Simeon was able to hold on to hope. Because what Isaiah 40 is all about, and I'm going to read uh, sections for you in just a moment. What Isaiah 40 is all about, it is about actually remembering the promises of God and remembering who God is. That it's all about remembering the promises of God and the very character or essence of God. And I think this is what shaped Simeon to be someone that was able to hold on to hope even in the in-between, even in the longing, even in the waiting and the anticipating. It was Isaiah 40, and with this whole phrase of comfort my people, that actually shaped him. So I want to share with you a little bit about Isaiah 40. And that as Simeon was shaped by this, what he would have been shaped by is remembering the promises of God. And there are multiple verses that speak about the promises of God in Isaiah 40. We read this, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the people shall see it together. For the mouth or the word of the Lord has spoken. This is about the coming of the Messiah and about a change. This is what would have shaped Simeon to hold on to hope, even in the in-between. Or we read other promises in this passage of Isaiah 40. We read this, Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. It's verses like this that would have sustained Simeon in the in-between. And there are also many verses that speak not only the promises of God, but actually to the character and the person of God. And I think these two would have been providing the hope and the encouragement and the foundation for Simeon to hold on to hope in the in-between. So we read verses like this in the second half of the poem where it talks about God in this way. It says, look up into the heavens, who created all the stars. It says, God brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? Have you never heard, have you never understood? Our Lord is the everlasting God. He is the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak. He never grows weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And even youths will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. But what this passage points to is the fact that God is our creator. He is strong. He is our source of everlasting and that he gives power to the weak. He actually gives strength to the hurting that God is somebody that can be trusted and that he is the creator of all that we see and he is one that sustains us and empowers us and strengthens us. And I think when it comes to that question of how did Simeon hold on to hope in the in-between, that this is the answer for us. Through a small Greek word that would have meant so much to the original hearers, that the reason that Simeon could hold on to actually hope in the midst of the in-between is because of Isaiah 40. is because he would have been actually shaped and guided by the promises of God and the very character of God. This is what sustained him in the in-between. And so for us today, for us today, When it comes to those of us who have been longing for something, when it comes to those of us who have been waiting for something, when it comes to those of us who have been wondering, where is God in the midst of something? The way I believe that we are sustained is through the same things, is that we need to remember the promises of God and hold on to the very character and person of God. I think this is what did sustain Simeon for those decades upon decades that he was surely waiting for that promise to come to be fulfilled that he would meet with the Messiah. That Luke, through a small Greek word, reminds us actually of the importance of who God is and the promises of God in Isaiah 40. 
So what is my main point then here today? My main point, and for Advent especially, is just this. That we need to hold on to the promises of God and remember who he is. That if you're in the in-between season, in the in-between space of waiting and wanting to encounter God deeply, of actually having a change, a miracle, a transformation, my main point is that we need to be like Simeon. We need to be like Simeon, somebody who remembered the promises of God and who held on to who God was. That's my main point. And I think that this is what we see within Simeon. And this uh, fact that he was able to remember the promises of God and remember who God was allows him to see the fulfillment of the promise that God has for him so that then he can meet Jesus and exclaim, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. And he is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. So what does this all mean for us today? Well, practically what I have for us here today, before we take communion in this short devotional, practically what I want to invite you to is to two questions and a challenge. Okay, so two questions and a challenge. And the first the question. Um, the first question I have for you is just this, is what are you hoping for this Christmas? What is it you're hoping for this Christmas? What is it that you are longing for this Christmas? What are you waiting for or anticipating in this season that you are in? Simeon was really clear that he was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. He was waiting for God to show up, right, for the Messiah to come. What is it that you are hoping for? What is it that you are longing for? What is it that you are waiting for? And I want to invite you, actually, to simply name that in this moment, right, to share that with God, to actually speak that to him, to actually name that to him. Because I believe that we do ourselves no favors by ignoring, denying, or avoiding the things that we are hoping for. So what are you hoping for this season? That's what I want to invite you into. That's the first question I have for you. The second one I have for you is what promise or aspect of God do you need to hold on to in this Christmas season? Now, what I think we see really clearly in Simeon is that he is somebody who held on to the promises of God. He is somebody who remained faithful and righteous for a long period, all the while waiting and longing and anticipating. And the way he did this was through remembering the promises of God and through remembering who God is. So for you today, what is it that you need to remember and to hold on to about who God is? Maybe it's that God promises that he will not leave you nor forsake you. Maybe it's that God promises that he hears your cries and he hears your hope. Maybe it's that God promises that he'll be walking with you or give you the strength that you need. What is it that you need to hold on to this Christmas to both remember who God is and to remember his promises? And then my challenge is, my challenge actually is very simple to state, but it's difficult to actually uh, put into practice. My challenge is this. My challenge is to simply hold on to the promises of God and to remember who God is this Advent. That's my challenge for you. Would you remember the promises of God and to hold on to who God is this Advent? But today, today I don't want to just kind of send you out with just that challenge because it can be difficult. It can be difficult to find even what is the promises of God that I'm supposed to hold on to or the character of God I'm supposed to hold on to. So what I'd like to do today to close is what I want to do today is I actually want to read to you Isaiah 40. This passage that unquestionably shaped and actually formed who Simeon was. I want to read to you you today just a few times. And as I read it, I want to invite you to simply pay attention. Pay attention for what jumps out at you. Pay attention for how God might speak to you through it. Pay attention for what scripture really resonates with your heart. Because there are promises and the character of God will be emphasized in this passage. So to close, what I want to do is I simply want to actually prayerfully read and meditate on scripture here together as a way for us to remember who God is and the promises that he has for us and to let these things shape us. Because I know for so many of us, there are so many things that we are waiting for, longing for, or hoping for. We are in the in-between season and space for so many of us. And the way we hold on to hope for that in-between season 
is to remember who God is and to remember his promises that he gives to you and that he gives to me. So to close today, I actually want to take a few moments and to just pray through Isaiah 40 together. That you might hear the promises of God and that you might then also remember and hold on to who God is. Because the way that we hold on to hope in the in-between is I really do believe through remembering who God is and holding on to his hope. So we did that. Would you join with me in prayer here this morning? God, I pray. I ask, Lord, in whatever season that we might be in, I pray, God, will we be strengthened by you. I pray we'll be able to hold on to hope in the midst of whatever place we are in. I pray, God, might we also be remembered and reminded of your promises, of who you are, and that in this moment, God, will we hear you speaking to us as we read Isaiah 40? I pray, God, would your Holy Spirit just be directing us and guiding us and shaping us? I pray, God, amidst all the doubt and uncertainty so many of us face at times, would your voice be the one that speaks to us most clearly and most directly? And God, in this season, might we continue to hold on to hope and hold on to you so that we might have a divine encounter and experience with you. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I want to read Isaiah 40. And as I read it, I want to invite you simply to be opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit, to let him speak to you through it, to remind you of some of the promises that you can hold on to and some of the character of God that you can rely upon. So let's read Isaiah 40 and portions of it here together and to let the Spirit speak to us through it. We read this. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God, it stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah that your God is arriving. Your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Who else has ever held the oceans in his hand? Who else has ever measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the, of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of our Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or to teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's instruction? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of God's great power and incomparable strength, not a single one, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak. He never grows weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. And he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk, and they will not faint. 
I want to read it one other time for us to listen and to hear from God. Here are portions of Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sad days are over. Tell her that her sins are pardoned and her sins are forgiven. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. His promises remain true and unchanging. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who else has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who has enough to give him advice or to teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him of what is right or show him the path of justice? To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. And because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak. He never grows weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. They will walk and they will not 